Welcome back to another beautiful Sunday afternoon. Welcome back to the Rainy Day Horror Show. I am your host with the most Dusty McBalls, a.k.a. the Certified Cougar Hunter, a.k.a. the man with balls too big to be handled. That is, if you're not talking to my exes, they might say something else. But besides the point, welcome back. Happy 4th of July, all right? I hope you guys' week went well and your weekend went well. And if you're lucky, you get tomorrow and Tuesday off. I don't. I only get tomorrow off. Or, no, sorry, hold on. I have to work tomorrow, but Tuesday I get off, okay? Kind of jealous of the people that don't have to work tomorrow, but we'll make it through, okay? Now, on today's episode of the Rainy Day Horror Show, I have an interesting serial killer for you guys, okay? Her name is Dorothea Puente, okay? And she is basically a grandma killing people, okay? It's really interesting what she what she did to some of these people. You would think she's a chemist, but she's not. She's just fucked up, okay? Now, before we get into this beautiful story, make sure you got your Crocs on. Set them bitches in adventure mode, okay? Grab a snack. Alright, strap in. This might be a long one, okay? And also, make sure you have something to drink. I don't want you parched, okay? I don't want you parched on this journey, alright? Go grab yourself a drink, okay? Grab a juice box, grab a water, grab a beer, whatever you're feeling, alright? It's Sunday afternoon and we're just cruising down Crenshaw, just rolling out. I don't know why I said Crenshaw, because I'm not in Crenshaw, I'm in Minnesota, but that's besides the point, okay? Now, without further ado, let's get into the story of Dorothea Puente. Dorothea Puente, a.k.a. Dorothea Helen Gray, was born on January 9th, 1929, in Redlands, California. Another California serial killer. She was born sixth out of seven children and was born into and grew up in an abusive home. You know, typical serial killer shit. Her father died of TB or tuberculosis when she was eight while her mother, an alcoholic, would routinely beat the living shit out of her children. And then, on one fateful day, a year later, she would die in a motorcycle accident. I guess you could say karma's a bitch, right? Karma is a big old bitch, isn't that right, Dorothea's mom, huh? Beat your kids and you end up just fucking dying a year later. Now you're dead, and there's nothing you can do except cry because of the shit that you did. Anyways... Sorry, I hate child abuse. It's so f- it's awful, okay? We don't bully the kids. We love the kids, all right? Now, after Dorothea's mom died, her and her siblings were split up and bounced between foster care and living with relatives. Now, when Dorothea reached 16, she decided to take control of her own life and she hit the streets using prostitution as her form of income in Olympia, Washington. Now, as she was tooting around, 
she ended up meeting her very first husband out of like 25,000 of them, Fred McFall, in 1945. But fortunately for Fred, their marriage only lasted three years. Now, this marriage obviously wasn't the best because it was so brief and so short. And when they were together, Dorothy and Fred had several children, but they didn't raise them. They either sent them to live with other relatives or they put them up for adoption because Dorothea just did not want to deal with a kid, right? So, obviously, Mother of the Year award goes to her. By the time 1948 rolled around, that was the year their divorce was finalized. Puente ended up floating down to Southern California. And once she reached SoCal, she turned back to a life of prostitution and ventured into cashing fake checks. Now, this was the first time Dorothy ever got in serious trouble with the feds. That's the sound of the police. That's the sound of the beast. That's the sound of the police. Because on one lovely sunny day with the birds chirping and the sunshine just sun shining its way down. One of her fake checks bounced in San Bernardino, California, and she ended up spending four months in jail. And now, once she was let out, she was supposed to stick around for parole, but she decided she didn't want to listen and skip town and move to San Francisco. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Where she ended up meeting her second husband and marrying Alex Brand Johansson in 1952. And this one was technically, well, it was her longest relationship, not technically. It was her longest relationship out of all of them. But just like all of them, it ended in divorce. And she ended up getting divorced in 1966 because she developed a bad gambling and drinking problem and to top it all off while she was married to Axel she offered to perform a sex act on an undercover cop at a brothel and once her husband caught wind of this he sent her straight to the psych ward (laughs) got he got he I guess he was, you know, seeing into the future and saw what she... So he sent her straight to the psych ward. Then, after all of that chaos, she would get married two more times. And both of them were short-lived. She first married Roberto Puente in 1968, took his last name, and then would get divorced after only being married to him for 16 months. Then, after she divorced Roberto... She married Pedro Angel Montalvo, and he would divorce her after only being married for a week. Just like that Kim K and that one basketball player, I think it was that one basketball player, that ended up getting divorced after a week of being married. The same shit. She's on that celebrity dating shit right now, right? Now... After all of those divorces and chaotic happenings in her life, she thought she was stable. Just stable enough to be a caretaker and open up her own 
boarding house to take care of people. Duh, that's what a boarding house is. Now, I don't know why she thought she was fucking normal enough to take, quote unquote, normal enough to take care of people. But oh my god, lady, you're put in a psych ward. And you can't keep a stable relationship. On top of that, you have a drinking and a gambling issue. Yeah, sound completely stable to me, right? And she opened up this second, or not second, first, that's foreshadow. She does open up a second one. But her first boarding house in Sacramento in the 1970s. Now, I don't really think social workers did like a background check in the 70s because like they would see that she went to a psych ward. So I just don't like, I don't know how she did it because I'm assuming they didn't do background checks because literally who in the fuck would have thought it was okay for a lady to open up a boarding house while she's a felon and was in the psych ward. So, and the one of the reasons why I think they would have let her open up a psych ward, or not a psych ward, fuck, a boarding house, was because she mainly only took in, like, quote-unquote, Dr. Evil quotations, tough cases. Din din. I want chicken, I want liver, meow mix, meow mix, please deliver. And those people that are considered tough cases are like recovering alcoholics, drug addicts, the mentally ill, and older people, elderly people. But behind this whole boarding house front and this grandmotherly appearance that Dorothy gave off, she was actually hatching an evil plan. Like, she was just a, a hen in a chicken pen, just shooting out eggs of evil plans. That's what she was doing. She was just sitting there in her fucking little hay basket thing, just shitting out fucking evil plans. That's what she was doing. And this evil plan would eventually lead to a whole stream of murders. And I'm not talking one. I'm not talking two. I'm talking like around 10. This woman was unhinged, right? Now, her first boarding house that she opened, like I said, was in the 70s. And that got shut down because she got caught signing her own name on the tenant's benefit checks. What? Then, in the 80s, she worked as a personal caretaker where she drugged and stole valuables from her clients. But eventually, like usual, this is like a reoccurring thing in Dorothy's story, is that karma would just run up to her, run up behind her, butt fuck her, and like throw her like just this huge fucking loop. And she ended up getting caught and was sent to prison for stealing, but she only served three years and was let out even after a psychologist diagnosed her with schizophrenia and said she feels no remorse or regret and she should be closely monitored. And once she got out, once this bitch got out, she was somehow able to open up 
a second boarding house where she still stole and drugged clients. And when she got convicted for serving that three years, it was specifically put in her report not to let, like she was just banned from like being a caretaker. Like everything was stripped from her. She could not be a caretaker anymore. But this, once she got out and she opened up the second boarding house, her tactic was a little bit different. She only took in so-called, well, what she called them shadow people. And these shadow people, quote-unquote shadow people, were mainly homeless with mental disorders, like mental health disorders. And they weren't close with their friends or family or anybody around them. Now... When she opened up the second boarding house, this is when the whole murder spree and everything started. And her tenants slowly started to disappear. And when probation officers stopped by her house to like make sure she wasn't running a boarding house or anything like that. She would lie to them and say like, these are just friends. They're friends and family like I'm not being a caretaker and they would her probation officers and any officers that stop by would be like oh okay yeah obviously duh we take your word for it even though she's not already a convict twice so just I I don't know people uh, I don't know all right it's so fucking stupid I don't know how she did it I really don't people like this fucking baffle me like what i don't get it i really don't get it it's either our system is screwed the fuck up or people are just really really stupid so but we'll we'll talk more about that later then in april of 1982 a 61 year old woman named ruth monroe moved into dorothy's house and like literally right away when she moved in Ruth died from an overdose of codeine and acetaminophen, also known as Tylenol. And it was administered to her by Dorothy. And when the police went to Dorothy's house to investigate, Dorothy told them that Ruth had been depressed due to her husband's terminal illness and that she committed suicide. So after the investigation was done, the authorities believed her side of the story. And ruled it a suicide. Now I could. That could be. Actually I don't even fucking know if that's like. Because if they were able to find out in the autopsy. That she was like had this shit in her. Like I guess. You would kind of have to take her word for it. Because they obviously didn't. But like she's already a convict bro. It's every day bro. With the Disney Channel flow. And like this shit doesn't make sense. Like how in the fuck is she getting away with this? And remember when I said that she was serving those three years in prison? Well, while she was in there, she had a pen pal relationship with Everson Gilmuth. And she met him for the first time. I intentionally left that out so it flowed back into the story. That's why I kind of like didn't tell you. And it's kind of confusing when I, where I threw it in, but I thought it fit here. But anyways, she met him for the first time in 1985 where they would begin to date and they ended up opening a joint bank account together so she could obviously steal more money from him, like the dummy she is. 
But later that year, in November, Dorothy hired a handyman named Ismel Flores to install paneling in her home. You know, she was just doing a little home renovation. That's all. And after he completed that job, Dorothy paid him and gave him an extra $800 as a bonus. And she even gave him a red 1980 Ford pickup truck. The exact make, the exact model, the exact color that Gilmuth had. She then told Flores that the truck, the red pickup truck, belonged to her boyfriend who gave it to her. And I'm pretty sure you already know where this is going. Right? You already know where this is going because I can tell you it's going that direction. But it gets it gets even weirder. Like, I think Flores is stupid that he didn't even pick this shit up. Okay? So just 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 wait, right? So after he after she gave him the truck, she then told Flores she then hired him again to build a box that was six feet long, three feet wide, and two feet high. Take a guess on what it's for and who's going in it, okay? It's already written in the stars on who's going in there, right? Now, that she, now after she had him build build this coffin. Don't come to my house or else I'll suck your dick, <laughs> blood. I'll suck your blood. <laughs> oh, shit. She told Flores that it was for her books and items and not Kilmit's body. She then, after filling the box with Gilmuth's body, had Flores drive her to a storage facility on the other side of town and on the way there had him pull over on the side of the road to dump the box in a river where it would eventually be found by a fisherman on January 1st, 1986. The bitch wasn't even with him for a full fucking year. And she killed him. Second body that she's killed. Just, oh my god. Thankfully, the first seven guys didn't fucking stick around that long. Because they would probably all be in the same fucking river on the side of the... Oh, yeah. Now, the police, after the body was found, they were immediately called, like usual. And when they opened the box, they found... Gilmuth's body badly decomposed. And his body, he wouldn't be able to be identified for another three years. And th- because that's how fucking like decomposed he was. And with the lack of technology, they couldn't even do, like, they couldn't even pick it up. And it gets even worse. While, like, in that three years, Dorothy was collecting Gilmuth's pension and even forged letters to his family pretending to be him and saying that he was okay, he loves it here. You know, Dorothy's awesome, even though she killed me, she's awesome, love her. And while she was doing all of that, she was still running her second boarding home, stealing from her tenants. Now, 
while the tenants were living in her murder house, they would obviously receive checks and they would receive mail. And most of the time, the checks were from the government and not the family members because they were homeless, didn't have a whole lot of family, obviously. So, while they were receiving their social security checks, Dorothy would actually open up the letters, take the check, sign their names, take it to the bank, get it in cash, take most of that cash, keep it for herself, and then she would give like a tiny little percentage of what was left to her tenants. Now, it wasn't until 1988 when she started raising eyebrows. One of her tenants, 52-year-old Alvaro Montoya, went missing one day. Now, Montoya suffered from mental health disorders. I think he was schizophrenic. I can't remember because this is also on Netflix. So if you want to go learn more about her, Dorothy, she it is there is an episode on her on Netflix. I can't remember if it's called like who's my roommate? My roommate's a killer. It's something it's something on Netflix. And you'll once you see it's something roommate or roommate something and you'll you'll see it right away and you'll know. She's the first episode so you don't have to go in too far. Now Minus Montoya suffering from a mental health disorder, he was also homeless for a number of years. And he was first appointed to Dorothy's home because of her reputation for helping people like him. He's technically a tough case, according to the world in 1986, in the 80s. But what was different about him compared to her other tenants was that he had somebody keeping tabs on him, right? And that someone was Judy Moyes. And Judy Moyes was a research and outreach and outreach counselor for the Volunteers of America. And she was the one that contacted Dorothy to have Montoya go in that house and live there. And she became, Moyes, she became extremely suspicious when Montoya disappeared and she didn't buy Dorothy's explanation on the reason that he left and the explanation was he went to go visit family in Mexico but he wasn't in contact with his family at all and after that explanation was given to Moise a little you know the little spidey senses kicked in right come on Peter Tingle so she immediately notified the authorities about Dorothy's boarding house. So the police told Moise, like, hey, don't worry, we got it, we'll go check it out, we'll go find out what's going on with your friend Montoya. And so they hopped in their police cruisers, they went to Dorothy's boarding house, and when the police arrived at Dorothy's, they were met by Dorothy, obviously, her, it's her boarding house, and she constantly throughout this story always gave off like a grandmotherly appearance she was always dainty had big circle glasses she was just she was tiny like just this you would think she's extremely innocent and they asked her what happened to Montoya and she stuck to her alibi saying she's visiting family in Mexico and on top of that she had a tenant named John Sharp confirm her alibi but Little Johnny hears a little snitch. 
thankfully he's a little snitch, alright? He's old, but and has mental health issues, so thank, thankfully he's a little snitch. And when the police were leaving, Sharp slipped them a message saying, she's making me lie for her. So once the police got back to the station, they obtained and got a search warrant and went straight back to Dorothy's house. And once they got there, they searched the entire property and they found nothing. Well, only inside the house. They didn't find anything inside the house. But what they did notice was this soil in her garden. It This like soil appeared that it was just recently disturbed, like someone was just digging there. And it wasn't just like, you know, little planters, you know, plot or whatever. It was this, it was, it was pretty, pretty long and pretty wide. And they realized that like, ah, uh, that's a little weird. That's just this one spot and everywhere else is normal. Like if you were going to rake it or do something, it, the whole place would be, you know, it'd be all messed up and it would all be fresh, but it wasn't. It was just this one specific spot. So they asked her if they could dig up the garden and she said, yes, like she had nothing to hide. And she even provided a shovel. So, the police, they started to dig. And then, as they were digging, Dorothy asked to go to the coffee shop right down the street on the corner. And they said yes without even thinking. I don't know if it was just her grandmotherly appearance that gave it off. That she was just like, I'm not going to do anything. So, maybe that's why. And... Instead of going to that coffee shop, she fled to Los Angeles. And they didn't know, the cops didn't know that she had fled until they were, until they found, while they were digging, they found seven bodies in that garden. Now for five days, Dorothy was on the run, but the police tracked her down and found her in a bar in L.A., after a man saw her wanted photo on like the LA news TV, whatever. It was posted on the TV in the bar. And once he saw that, he recognized her and he called the authorities. And once she was caught, she was charged with nine murders and was flown back to Sacramento. Once she touched down, she was swarmed by reporters where she claimed her innocence and said, and I quote, I used to be a very good person at one time. And throughout her trial, she maintained the sweet, innocent grandma persona, even though she was a manipulative little criminal bitch who preyed on the weak, right? We don't like bullies on this channel, right? We do not like bullies. And that's what these kinds of people are. They're bullies, right? Now that brings up a question. I've had this question for a few days and I'll get back to the story in a second. Now, do you think people are born evil? Or like, are they made evil? Like, don't get me wrong. People can be like, you know, they can go through some traumatic shit. They can be, they can, you know, have a little edge to them. But at the end of the day, they might be a sweet person. They might be a very, very nice person to be around. So, personally, I think, and this deals into the paranormal, I think, because I do believe that we do get reincarnated into a, like another human form after a few years of being on the other side. I do believe we do get reincarnated. So, and you know, there are evil spirits out there. 
human or not, there are evil spirits out there. So it makes me think that maybe they're born into it. I think they're born into it just because of that, but that's just me. Now, her lawyers argued that she might be a thief, but she's not a murderer. And the pathologists that testified said that they hadn't been able to fix the cause of death for any of the corpses. John O'Mara, the prosecutor, called over 130 witnesses. I think that's one of, minus the whole, um, the Pan Am flight one, the Pan Am flight one, I think this might be the most witnesses for a serial killer. And he, yeah, he called over 130 witnesses to the stand. And the prosecution stated that Puente used sleeping pills to drug her tenants. She then suffocated them and then hired convicts to bury them in her yard because she's old. She couldn't do it by herself. So that makes sense. She also used a specific drug called, I think it said, I think it's Dalmain. And it is used for people who suffer with insomnia. And Dalmain was found in all seven of the bodies that were dug up on her in her garden. Now, the prosecutors stated that Dorothy and I quote is one of the most cold and calculating female killers the country has ever seen. Then, in 1993, after seven days of deliberations and a deadlocked jury, meaning they were unable to reach a verdict by the required voting margin resulting in a mistrial. And this is suspected to be because of her, you know, like I said earlier, her sweet grandmotherly appearance, which I don't know how, right? I don't know how it can be a deadlock jury. Like, if all of the facts are there and it's obvious, fucking convict her, you cunts. Like, don't be stupid, right? Just fucking like yeah she did it like that's it like I don't know how you could have a deadlock jury and have a mistrial because of it it just I don't know how like I haven't been to jury duty yet so I don't know but still it's fucking stupid like there's nothing even riding on this except the families so you don't want to make the wrong decision but like if the facts are all there she obviously fucking did it okay now, after the whole deadlock jury, all of that, she was eventually, thankfully, convicted for murder, but it was only three of the nine murders, and she received back-to-back life sentences. Now, hold on, time out. This also goes back to what I said earlier about evil people being born and stuff like that. I wonder, like a life sentence, if once you die and you go on to the afterlife, if that life sentence carries on. You know what I mean? Like you die, you go to heaven, you go to hell, you go wherever, you go to the bad place of the universe, you go to the good place of the universe, wherever the fuck you go. If once you're reborn into your new body, if that, once you become of age or something like that, because obviously you can't be two and go spend life in prison. That's not fucking right. 
So I wonder if the universe throws a wrench in there to continue that. Like, let's say she murders one person in her next life and she only gets one life sentence. If that one life sentence is the second life sentence from her previous life. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. But maybe that's maybe that's what that is. Like, wouldn't that be interesting, right? Alright, now back to the story. Hold on. We're almost done. We're almost done here, okay? Now, Dorothea Puente, till the day she died, the entire time in prison, she claimed she was innocent and unfortunately died March 27th in 2011 at the age of 82 and she died peacefully in her sleep in her jail cell. Too bad she wasn't shanked to death. Bro, I would have shanked her. <laughs> bro, see, like, bro, that shit, oh, bro, even, like, even if I was, like, the family in the courtroom watching her get, you know, sentenced and everything, I would have shanked her. I would have hopped the fucking, like, little wood railing that holds you back from the prosecutors and all the the judges and everything, I would have hopped that bitch and I would have stabbed the fuck out of her. I'm not even lying. Don't fuck with my family or you're going to get just fucking stabbed or shot or something. I'm going to kill you is what I'm I'm saying, right? Like that shit would piss me the fuck off watching her get sentenced. And like, even if like, let's cause she only got sentenced for, she only got convicted for three of the nine murders. If one of my family members was one of those six that didn't get convicted or wasn't part of the conviction. Murder. Wholeheartedly murder. Hopping that thing, stabbing this woman to death. This is what I would do. But that's just me. I don't know. I'm okay with killing my dad's murderer, my brother's murderer, my mom's murderer, even my dog's murderer. Bro, I'm okay with spending a life in prison because of that shit. Do not care, alright? And I don't know, like, I've never been to prison, so I don't know what it's like. But, like, if that's... Maybe? Maybe they wouldn't be as hard on me in prison for, like, oh, he's here because of a good thing. Understandable. We're not gonna make him join a gang or do whatever the, you know, the shit he needs to do. Maybe, maybe, but I don't know. If you've been to prison, let me know. Just tell me if that would, if that would happen. Side note, speaking about prison... How many people out there that listen to this DM me on my DM me on my Instagram at the Rainy Day Horror Show, or if you listen to Spotify or whatever and you want to like let me know on there, you can always write a Q and A or whatever, and you can just post it, and I'll be able to see it. So it makes me just wonder, like, did Jeffrey Epstein actually kill himself? Because I had it made up in my mind. I've never looked into it. I had it made up in my mind, and my theory is, because it makes the most sense to me, and that's all real conspiracy theorists is, is it just something to make sense of a weird situation. And I think the way he died is weird. I don't think he hung himself. I think he was stabbed in prison and made it look like a hanging. I think maybe a guard opened his cell door, looked the other way, let a guy in there, shanked him to death, 
and then got, you know, then they just acted like nothing happened, staged it as a suicide, and that was that. Because he was a pedophile, and he was only in there for a few hours. He wasn't in there that long. So I don't know if they put him in PC right away. PC, for people that don't know, is protective custody. And even if he was in PC, they still can reach you. Anybody can reach you. It's just like, you know, if people want to find you, they can find you. So somebody, maybe somebody found him. Maybe he was PC and somebody found him, but I don't know. That's a video for a different day. I'll cover that in a different video. But I hope you guys enjoyed this video. This video was awesome to do. Probably the most interesting. It's just weird to think that, you know, some grandma could just be out here killing fools, right? Like, you know, you always hear it's like, you know, a woman or a man, sometimes a kid, but a grandma? Who? That's fucking wild. Or what if it was a great grandma? That shit would be even crazy too. But who knows? It's just interesting. I think it's interesting as shit. Um, I hope you guys have a fourth, a good 4th of July. Alright? I don't want you blowing any fingers off, so be fucking safe. Okay? And no, I don't want to see if I don't want to see a photo of your blown off finger, so do not send me that on Instagram. Lord, please don't send me that on Instagram. I do not want to see that. But I do hope you guys have a good 4th of July. I hope you eat all the burgers, all the hot dogs, all the brats. Personally, I'm a brat guy. I love brats. But that's just me. Burgers are okay, but I'm just saying, brats are I think brats are superior. But yeah, I hope you guys had a good weekend. I hope you guys had a good week. I mean, hope you guys made a shit ton of money. You get to buy whatever you want. I just, I'm saving, you know, trying to move back to Atlanta, you know, try to have some more fun again. But yeah, let's get through this week. Um, and let's just have fun. It's a short week. Just enjoy it. Enjoy the day off. Okay. It'll be fun. Tuesday, remember, Tuesday at noon, Reddit Horror Story, alright, and then Thursday at noon, movie breakdown, I don't know what movie I'm gonna do yet, I'm excited to see, I just watched The Evil Dead Rises, and I know I'm late, so you guys can fuck off with that shit, I might do The Evil Dead Rises, I might do The Cabin in the Woods, the 2011 version, um, I might do Ghost Ship. I've never seen Ghost Ship, but I've heard things about it. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. There's a few movies out there, so we'll, 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 we'll figure it out. And then I might, I might be adding another episode a week. I don't know what day it is. I'm still thinking about it if I want to do it, but people's horror experiences when they're using the app Rando... Randonautica? I think it's Randonautica. I'm trying to think. I think it's Randonautica. Because I've seen videos of that shit. So I'm kind of... I wonder how many, you know... Stories are out there with that app. Because I've seen some crazy fucking videos online. But... That's maybe. I don't know yet. That's maybe. I'm probably going to do it if I'm if I'm not going to lie. I'm probably going to do it. But... I'm, I might add an episode soon. And then on... I think this fucking upcoming Sunday, let me see what we got, I gotta check my little clipboard here, we have an urban legend, 
Alright, I don't know how to say it, I have to look up the pronunciation, but it is a Japanese urban legend, and I've been so excited to try and share this one with you guys, I've been containing my excitement for it. This is going to be a good one, and I hope you guys, I think you guys will love it. I looked it up, it looks really, really interesting. So, we're going to do that, and then, yeah, that's about it. Um, remember, have a good fourth, remember... Follow me on Instagram if you want to see whatever I'm doing and you want to send me horror memes or anything horror related. It's the Rainy Day Horror Show. And remember, stay frosty, stay foxy. Most importantly, the most important thing, or you're going to end up in one of my episodes. Stay safe. I love y'all. Deuces.